0: Okay. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to session number four of the Survey of the Gospels. So today we are looking at the story of Jesus. Um, That is chapter two um, in our book. Uh, I will do a little bit of review of the intertestamental period, um, the part that we did not cover um, last week, so as you see, these chapters are very um, chunky <laughs> they 're very meaty um, there's a lot of history um, um, in these chapters, but the history is so good it's so good um, that it, it helps it helps us um, craft our, our mindset to understand what was going on during that time and what did Jesus have to deal with during that time as well, Um, especially when we're looking um, at the intertestamental period. um, That is a period that is not taught in our church at all. And it's not in our Protestant Bible at all as well. It goes from Malachi to Matthew. And there are 400 years of history that is missing. And when Jesus comes on the scene, we have to understand that Jesus is not responding um, to Old Testament teaching, he's actually responding to a lot of intertestamental teaching. Um, that's why he's always arguing uh, with, well, not arguing what the Pharisees try to argue with Jesus. He's always coming against uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and different religious sects or, or groups out there um, based on their teaching. And so we are, um, Dealing with uh, Jesus, he's fighting against the, the traditions of man. So not the uh, not the law. He had a problem. He Moses did not. I mean, Jesus did not have a problem with the law of Moses. He had a problem with the Jews and how they interpret the law of Moses, and he was trying to show the Jews how to really carry out the law. And so, um, so during the intertestamental period, um, when these Jewish groups came on the scene, that's, we have to understand uh, their thought. And this is called Second Temple Jewish Thought. We have to understand where they're coming from and things like that. So the book does a great job. Um, talk, it talks about the different groups, uh, the beliefs of the Pharisees, the beliefs of the Sadducees, of the Essenes, um, the Herodians, the Hasmonians—all the different groups um, that are represented um, in the in the in the Jew, the Jewish faith at that time. He does a really good job explaining what was going on there. Okay, um, there is one point that I thought was uh, really cool to to bring back, and I want for you all—if you have your books and in front of you to go to page 20 um, in your book. I wanna hop back to this point here um, that I thought it would be um, really cool to point out here, um, especially to those who, who does a lot of um, corporate praying and, and um, well, just it's for anybody. But I, I thought that this was um, a very important point to, to bring up here on page 20. Hold on, my book is coming up here.
1: Let's see.
0: On page, sorry, page nine. I guess it's page 19. I have the electronic version, so my version is a little different. I think it's page 19 under the uh, sentence that says, like Jeremiah 31 describes this period as a new covenant. In that paragraph there, um, it says, Behold, the days are coming, declares Yahweh when I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of man and with the seed of beast as have watched over them to pluck up, to bring down, to overthrow, to destroy and to bring disaster. So I will watch over them to build and to plant declares Yahweh. So here's the point I want to bring out in those days, They will not say again, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge, but everyone will die for its own iniquity. Each man who eats the sour grapes, his teeth will be set on edge. So we have to understand during that time about... about curses and things like that. So that was going on um, in the book of, I think it's Deuteronomy that talked about, you know, if your father sinned, if your father's cursed and your whole family's cursed and your whole lineage is cursed. Here is saying that is no more. He is saying here that that individually you are responsible for your own iniquity. It is not about your family line anymore. That is broken. So henceforth, when when we hear that that means that we cancel out generational curses there is no generational curses because of this scripture here it says that you will no longer be held for the iniquity of your family of your bloodline you are responsible for your own iniquity and and the topic of generational curses have has made millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> you see books, people writing about generational curses and things like that. You gotta break it in your bloodline and all this stuff. No, no, it was broken in the new covenant, and you are responsible for what you do. Okay. So that should free up a lot of people because they think because my dad was an alcoholic, so therefore I'ma be an alcoholic, or if if my family were uh a group of sinners, then I'm going to be a sinner. Ain't no salvation for me. No, that isn't, that is not so. Okay. And here is one of the scriptures that you can use. It talks about it in Ezekiel too. Um, he talks about it as well. So a lot of the prophets, they bring up this, this fact here. Okay. So is that okay? Any questions or comments about that? I just want to laugh
2: about it because my family, (laughs) um, well, on my dad's side, uh, everybody, they have knee issues. Mm. And every year they come to me, you know, they're asking me, you know, where's your cane? Or is your knee bothering you? Or have you had a knee replacement yet? And I'm like, no, you know, i rebuke that. No, I'm not going to have that.
0: Right. <laughs> you, know, right, so right. They,
2: you know, they feel like, you know, because, you know, it's in the family that I'm going to have it. And I don't believe that, you know. Mm. So. Yep.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's good. That's good. Yeah, so there are there are like genetic traits that can pass down, but we we since we're uh, in Christ, we have a new bloodline. We have a new family, so that can automatically skip us. So we don't have to be bound to that. So yeah, uh, someone else. I think Toya, did you have did you have something?
3: And it just goes to show how when we hear something, mm-hmm. um, how easy it is for us to take it and run with it. Hmm. Um, because it sounds good, mm-hmm. but um, I've always thought, or I have always said, like I'm mean, like when certain things happen to people, mm-hmm. or whatever. Oh, I'm this way because of this, or I'm this way because of this, or you know. I mean, don't get me wrong; upbringing has a lot to do with it, or whatever. But I'm like, at some point, you have to be responsible for your own self. Yes, yes, you know that's always been my thinking, and um, just the. I don't know. Like this, just dispels so much because there's been. I've been to classes where they, you know, where people talked about, you know, um, the generational curses, and you got to get to the to the root because the root is your family, and it goes all the way down the line of slavery to this time. And you know, your great grandma and your great 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 grandma probably committed this sin, and so you got all of this stuff that has now up to you. You have to break the curse. <laughs> hmm That's but, true.
0: Yeah, yeah. We we hear we hear it all. We hear it but, all.
3: Yeah. Thank you for pointing that out because no
0: problem. Everybody. Anybody? Yep. hmm Anybody else? Go ahead, Miss Eva. I was waiting. Good morning.
4: Good morning <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And uh, we can't. I I also um believe we cannot forget. No matter what was once, that Jesus fulfilled it all. Jesus mm-hmm. took care of it all. Um, the Bible talks about curses, every man that hangeth on a tree. What was once, an ability for a person to be cursed through their generation. If he said it is finished, he took our sins and everything upon himself, there is yes. no more curse. Yes. And so then the Bible tells us we all, I know I fell victim to it, but thank God for a deeper understanding of revelation and the word of God. But we all have fallen fallen victim to having itchy ears. Mm. And so there is a season, was a season and a time. that I mean, I'm looking at people now reading books with this same stuff that is uh, because if we don't know, if we don't know the finished work of Jesus and we have not applied ourselves in learning truth. Mm. Coming to the truth, the root, when you're talking about the root, that's come to the root of truth. And the truth is Christ Jesus and what Christ has did for us. Then we will fall, we will fall to these, to anyone and everyone that's trying to make a dollar mm-hmm. <laughs> through their tapes, books, and everything else. So that was that season of uh, everyone having itchy ears. It sounded good, like uh, Sister Latoya said. It sounded good, and uh, we ran with it because we didn't know no better. Mm-hmm. But uh, when, uh, like Paul said, when I was a child, I, I, I expected as a child. I acted like a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. So it's time for us to really to grow up and mature in the Word of God, and this is one way to do that.
0: Yep. 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 Thank you. Yep. That is one. We're, we're growing up. We are maturing in the word of God. And Ms. Eva brought up a verse about curses. Any man who died on a tree and Jesus, he had to die on a tree. He took on the curses, all all the curses that were out there. He had, he had to die and he uh, took the curses with him when he died. So that means we are free from curses. Okay. So we don't, we don't have to be bound bound to that. It's about the decisions that we decide to make. So yeah, all right, cool. I just wanted to bring that out. I, I guess because of where my focus was last week, I didn't, I didn't uh, bring that out, but I, I made sure I wrote it down. So I gotta bring this out here. So here, here y'all go. I have
2: another question about it though, because sure. um, um, is this a psychological uh, thing? Um, because a lot of times it seems like people um, or family members, uh, they do feel like it's a generational curse and um you see individuals who may turn out to be alcoholic or uh, because the family they say they'll tell you i mean even my family you know tells me that it's a generational curse Mm -hmm. and um we have alcoholics in the family and all of that stuff as well too but is it psychological you know that these uh families are believing that um that they are eventually going to have this be this or you know what have you or is it um what am i trying to say or is it something that they have to declare and decree that you know i don't believe that i'm going to get this have this or fight against
0: it you know i think
1: what
0: I'm i think it's just a lack of knowledge Okay. To be honest, it's just a, a lack of, not someone's trying to sign in as me. Lord have mercy, hold on. Um, yeah, I think it's just a, a lack of knowledge. We just, we just don't know. It is a psychological thing, it's a trick of the enemy. Um, and so it's something that we have to come, I guess, in, uh, walk in the truth of and how can we know the truth if no one, if no one teaches it? And so, um, so that's, that's definitely a factor too, that no one teaches it, no one really knows. Uh, no one really, um, uh, really dissect the scriptures like this or, or whatnot. So yeah, it's about knowledge. <laughs> people perish because of what lack of knowledge. So yeah, I think it's just people, who, people who, who, it's just a lack of knowledge. So anybody else want to chime in on that answer? But that's kind of just my beliefs in it.
3: Can I ask you, do curses refer back to, okay, um, do curses refer back to like some of our beliefs when it comes to um, holidays in that matter? <laughs> uh,
0: when, it, when, it, when, it comes, when it comes to holidays, we are not mandated in scripture to celebrate holidays. So we shouldn't even be bound uh, to that, um, thinking that we have to celebrate holidays. I gave up holidays years ago. And I just gave up my birthday so a few years ago, and that was tough because I like to take off the whole month for my birthday. But I had to do the research. I had to understand where it came from. And then from that knowledge, I had to make a choice whether or not to, to keep on doing it or to just continue to do it. But that's a personal conviction of mine or so whatever. So I can't say, yeah, I don't do this. I don't do that. That was a personal conviction. So, a curse. Well, the holidays are not really a curse. It's just a tradition of man. It, it stems from uh, pagan holidays. Uh, when I think when when we get more into the studies, um, we we will see like where Christmas came from. Uh, they wanted to continue to to celebrate the sun god and um and uh what is it the the during the winter solstice and things like that so it happened to fall during the time where the jews were celebrating their holiday uh which which we're going to talk about today that holiday that they celebrate during that time and so it, it just everything just kind of came together and they wanted to continue to, to to serve their pagans but yet try to serve god at the same time and we know that that God is a jealous God. He's not going to have any other God, you know? And so that's, that's uh, a lot of these holidays are stem from paganism or whatever. And so we have a choice whether or not to continue to, to do it or just ignore it. And, you know, just do it just because it's a tradition or it's the kids to have fun and things like that. But that's how the enemy gets us, how we, how we just uh, conform. And and just settle because it's just it sounds good, but it at the end of the day um, it's not good. So,
1: yeah, I want to. Uh, I have a question for you, but I gotta go back to um, what we were talking about before. Toya's question about the um, 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 curses and, and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. We were talking about like the question I I think came up. Um, <coughs> Um. How can you know uh, curses have been broken already, and this and the other, and you know people talk about how um. Patricia talking about how her family, you know, with the whole knee situation, and you ain't got the knee, uh, like the knee, you know, thing yet. And da, da, da. Um, but I do want to ask, like, do you think, you know, although curses are no more, um, you know, the enemy does you know, study us and and the enemy does set up traps for us to kind of fall in the same type of, you know, traps and temptations as our, as as our, you know, fathers and our, you know, and our other family members to make us think that it's a curse, but really it's just, you know, the enemy opening up the door, like the same door that it opened up for our our other family members and forefathers to go right down the same path. Yeah. Is it more of that? versus a curse you know right what I mean? yeah so like you said like
0: the enemy he knows the patterns of families and things like that the enemy is very crafty he's very skillful <laughs> he's very observant so he uh, set those, those traps and things for us because we like at the end of the day we just we don't know we don't know how to really come back the enemy when it comes to things like that we just kind of just accept it because that's what we've been taught and things like that and so, uh, yeah, and so it's like um, it's, it's, I guess at the end, of, the, I just keep saying at the end of the day, it's just really a, a lack of knowledge of things. So once we understand that this is not a, a generational curse, then we then we have a choice whether or not to stay in that cycle, stay in that pattern or come out of it. Uh, go ahead, Ms. Eva.
4: I'm sorry. Yes, I was getting ready to just say uh, practically the same thing. We are what we believe. Mm -hmm. You know, we are instructed to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yes. Now, in this new life, we are new creatures in Christ Jesus, born again. And in this new life, either we're going, we have to either make a decision. If, if, are we going to walk in this new life or are we going to default back to the old nature? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and all of the things, people are trapped based on where they are in their mindset. Yeah. As they believe that there's curses, then there will be. Yeah. Uh, 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 you shall have whatsoever you say. If you believe that I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus, all things are passed away. All things are new. I choose to walk in the finished work of Jesus. There is no generational curse in the life that I live. Now, like I say, in that old nature, uh, whatever it was in, 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 in the family or whatever, it is nothing but uh, people rehearsing, yeah. rehearsing. So when you rehearse this in your mind, the devil can't do nothing to us. Let's get that. He can't do nothing. All he can do is proposition. He can't make us eat nothing. He can't make us do nothing. He can't make us sin. So either, again, we have to make a conscious decision. What life are you willing to walk in? What life are you willing to live in? I choose to live as a new creature in Christ Jesus. I choose to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I don't think that way no more. So as a man thinking, so is he. So we have to be willing to make a choice to not to hold on to old custom old tradition old way of thinking and begin to think in the newness of life and what Christ has already done it is truly finished the work is truly finished
0: yep yep it's true (laughs) truly finished and I think that we need to understand the implications of finished work. We need to understand the implications of Jesus taking it all. We need to understand the implications of a new life. We need to understand what that means because we say it, but I don't think we understand the implications behind it. So that's why we, we, we're continuing to study. And things like this is going to come up so that we can understand and be set free for some things. Okay. So yes, very good, very good. Um, any other comments or questions before I move on? We're good. All righty. Okay. All right. Let's continue to move on then. So I just wanted to bring that out. That was from last week when we looked at Jeremiah 31. I just wanted to make sure that we have an understanding of that. That's still one of the things that the new covenant is bringing in. And so the new covenant is very heavy. It's a lot of things that um, entails the new covenant and we want to make sure that we are uh, uh, informed of what the new covenant um, is bringing in during this point here. So um, let's go to. Yep.
1: Let's go to the slide here. Okay. hold on here. Let's go to desktop two. Okay, I play from current. Okay. All
0: right. So like I said, we are on um, the story of Jesus. This is week four, and Saints, I have one more week, and I'm excited. So I'm trying, I'm trying to uh, try to uh, cover everything as much as possible. As you see, like I said before in the beginning of class, these, these chapters are very meaty. They are very heavy. And so I'm trying to give you all kind of a synoptic v- view of the book, but it is your responsibility to read the book. Okay, it's going to help you when it comes to interpreting the Gospels, understanding where Jesus is coming from, understanding the things that he had to combat, um, the political and social settings, which plays a part, a huge part on the way that he teaches, okay. So this is something that we have to understand, okay. So last week, we looked. this is a new chart that is in, oh, I don't think I put the presentation. I'm sorry, saints, oh, I just realized uh, that I did not drop the presentation. But I did drop this in the folder. Oh man, hold on, you guys. I'm so sorry. I was editing like up to the last second. Hold on, and I forgot to uh, drop the presentation. Um, but um, the 70 weeks chart. Remember the chart that uh, let me see 55 um, that that I had last week. The very detailed chart about Daniel. Uh, we looked at that last week and we looked at Daniel chapter 9, uh verses uh 24. Let's see here, I'm trying to do two things at once. Lord got my mind. Um, verse 24, and we looked at his dream. Um, and Gabriel he had to um come and to interpret the dream uh, for Daniel. Uh, so he can understand what was going on. So Daniel, the book of Daniel is a very, very, uh, <laughs> I like to use the word meaty. Uh, it's a very meaty book because um, there's a, a a lot of things uh, that Daniel is prophesying that we still see today, um, that is still going on today. And we talked about um, the four nations that uh, that Israel is under. Uh, well, Israel was under. So who can name the four
1: nations that Israel um, were under? Persia. Persia's one. Greece. Mm-hmm. Um,
5: Babylon.
1: Yep.
0: Who are we still under now? Who are the world domination?
5: Oh, the um, Vatican, the um, Catholic Church. So what would that be called? (laughs) Uh, Rome.
0: Rome. Rome. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Oh, I thought I dropped other. Did I put it in the wrong folder? No. Okay, that chart isn't in there. Okay. So in the TLS. Okay, I know what I did. Okay. So I, I just dropped the presentation um, in there and I'm about to drop some other documents on there as well. So you're able to pull it able to view it. All right, there we go. Okay, got it in there. Sorry about that, you guys. Um, so let's go ahead and go back to the presentation here um, so the chart that i'm about to put up here is a, a simplified version of the the crazy chart that you all um got last week um, but i love the, the the detailed chart okay i love the detail chart um because it it shows a lot of things that um we kind of miss when reading um the book of Come on now. Uh, the book of um, Daniel, and so Daniel um, is like the zoom—the zoom out effect of the end times and what's going on and when we read the Re- revelation revelation is the zoomed in and so it gives you more details of the end times so daniel gives you a broad scope of the end times and what's going on and revelation zooms in and gives you the details even more details okay so as you see here um uh, this the uh the 70 weeks uh dream which is which is 400 490 years and so when the intertestamental period um uh, ends and jesus is on the scene um in the year uh i think it's like a year maybe like 20 about 20 uh 25 a.d they're come they're coming to the 490 years that Daniel has prophesied, and so now the the Israelites are on edge because now they they remember Daniel's dream. After the 70 weeks or 490 years, um, uh, the Messiah is going to come. So now there's a there's a height, there's a sense of the Messiah coming. Okay, and so I'm about to build up. I'm uh, gonna go over some events. That, that builds up this, um, this excitement or this heightened mode for, for the Israelites. And this is very important to understand when studying the Gospels, because now we, we will understand what exactly they were looking for uh, when it came to a Messiah. And we have to understand that a lot of the Jews did not consider Jesus being the Messiah because he didn't fit their criteria of who a Messiah should be. Okay, so let's go ahead and hop in here in the lesson here. Um, this this uh, scripture, it says, seek the peace of the city where I've sent you into exile. Um, and so we, uh, as we discussed, many of the Jews, they, they follow um, Jeremiah's instruction. Okay, remember we talked about that last week uh, when they were sent into exile uh, to, to Babylon. Jeremiah told them, Um, And 29 and seven, he told them, like, when you get over there, you might as well uh, just be comfortable. Go ahead and make a family for yourself, get a house, uh, have some kids, Uh, just be comfortable with the Gentiles. And so the scripture says, um, here it is, it says, the Lord, they'll say the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel to all the exiles. Um, who by exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their fruit, take wives and have sons and daughters, find wives for your son and give your daughters to husband so they may bear sons and daughters, increase their, do not decrease. So Jeremiah is saying, the Lord is saying, to live amongst the Gentiles. He's saying that it is okay to live amongst the Gentiles. But uh, what, 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 what became a problem, we will see uh, as we continue to study, what became a problem is they began to conform to paganism. They began to conform to their religions and things like that. And that's not what God had in mind. He just wanted them to live peaceably amongst the Gentiles uh, rather than them um, conforming. Okay, so let's go back to the slide here. It says, as uh, we have discussed, many of the Jews felt followed Jeremiah's instructions, not only through the 70-year captivity or exile, but also throughout the seceding era, era known as the time of the Gentiles. Okay, so that, these are the four nations that they were under. But what exactly uh, was the situation during Jesus' time? Okay, and so uh, here we go. Here it says, after the return... Uh, the historical, mainly political situation between Malachi and Matthew, intertestamental period, uh, changed significantly the relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles. Okay, so they they went from one point of living amongst the Gentiles peacefully, um, and then when we get to to Matthew, you will see that the the Jews now hated the Gentiles they hated them, and then amongst the Jews themselves, there was division amongst themselves. So you, you have to ask the question, how did they get to this point? From the end, about the end of the Old Testament, they were living in peace, to a place where they hated the Gentiles. And so that, that story there happens during the intertestamental period, okay? Uh, see here, the relationship changed so much by, by the time Jesus was born, the Jews themselves seem no longer one people, okay? So when, uh, when the Jews were told to go back home, remember that King Cyrus, the king of Persia, told uh, the Jews that they can go back home. Now millions, uh, millions uh, left um, Judea, the promised land, when they were in, cap- in captivity to go to Babylon, but only a handful of people, came back to the promised land, why? Because they were in captivity for 70 years. So therefore, if you are in a place for 70 years, you, done, you're, you got real comfortable. I don't see a benefit for me going back, so I might as well just stay where I'm at. And that's what a lot of them did. They stayed where they were at. So no, they were no longer uh, one geographically. A lot of them were scattered during this time. Uh, a lot of them, uh, uh, when we look at the intertestamental with the different Jewish sects that I was talking about, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they were all divided in their belief system. All of this happened during the, um, the intertestamental period. Um, so they were no longer one people. Okay. So let me see. Let me pick it up here in the slide. It says the story of Jesus must be understood uh, within the historical context of his time in order to better understand, apply his teachings in our times, okay? Nothing more impacts our understanding of his times than the appreciation of the political setting, okay? We've been taught in church to look at the religious setting, but the political setting had a lot to do with what Jesus' Jesus' ministry was all about, okay? So we have to really uh, understand that and we have to really understand Uh, Jewish thought too. We have to um, look through the lens of the Jews to understand what they were facing during that time. Okay. Um, Let's see. Let's go to the next slide here. And it says, here's a slide. It says the identity of the Jewish people has always centered around these two factors, their scriptures and their temple. Okay. Um, It was political situations occurred during the Greek empire that brought about such change in their relationship. Okay. So let me explain what happened during the intertestamental period. And this is in your book, but I told you, I'm giving you kind of a summary view. What happened with their scriptures is that their scriptures were translated to Greek for the first time. So, so while from, from Babylon, Babylon was conquered by Persia. Okay, so then from Persia, uh, Greek conquered per- the Persians. Okay, so now in the intertestamental period, they're under the Greek control. And the Greek control was so influential, uh, their, their culture, uh, their traits, everything about them was so influential. And so a lot of the Jews began to speak more Greek. Um, in that time, the, the, the Israelites or the Jews began to lose their identity as well. So their scriptures were first translated to, um, to Greek. Now, who remembers what the Greek translation of the, of the scriptures is called? And I know Tracy knows this, but what
1: is it called, the, the, the Greek translation? Ooh, the saints don't remember. We don't remember.
0: Oh, this is tragic. We're losing this pop quiz today. The Greek translation of the scriptures is called the Septuagint. And I know you guys remember me saying that word. Uh, So this is... uh, this is uh, the first copy. It was written during the intertestamental period, okay? So it was no longer being translated in Hebrew. It was being translated in Greek. And the second thing that um, was an issue with them was their temple, okay? Uh, during the time of the second temple, okay? We have to understand that there was a first temple uh, and, and that was, that was destroyed. Nehemiah and Ezra um, decided to, to build the temple again. Um, it, was called the Zeru- it was called Zerubbabel's Temple. Okay. But when, when the Greeks uh, came in, um, there's a king. His name was Antiochus. He came in and he desecrated the temple. He brought in his own pagans. He brought in his own sacrifices. He had a, um, he had a, a, a statue of himself in the temple. He made the Jews eat pork. He did all types of things because he got tired of giving the Jews personal, uh, personal treatment. He said, you all are going to be like everybody else. So this event in the book is called the desecration or the abomination of the desecration of the temple. Um, so that was an issue with them. And because, um, because all this was happening, um, they began the Jewish revolt. And you all heard the word, uh, the Maccabees. So this is called the Maccabean Revolt. So Judas Maccabees um, decided to rebel against the Greeks and to take back the temple. Okay, uh, so Maccabees means the hammer. So he was known as Judas the Hammer. And, um, and so they took back the temple from the Seleucids, which is a group of the Greeks, um, he took, they took back the temple and they dedicated the temple back to God. This is where we we see the holiday of Hanukkah. This is Hanukkah right here. It's called the uh, Feast of Dedication, and during this feast, they dedicated the temple back to God. Okay, and even in Scripture in John, I think it's John chapter. 10, I believe, you see Jesus going to the Feast of Dedication. So he observed this feast day. Okay? And so this is, this is where Hanukkah plays a part. Okay? All right. Um, any questions about that before I, before I go further? So now you understand where Hanukkah came from. <laughs> they took their temple back and dedicated it back to God. Okay? And that happened in, I think it was 168 BC so that's still during the intertestamental period okay intertestamental period is between the period of like 440 to about uh to about uh 6 6 BC that's the period of the intertestamental period okay all right um let me pick up here it says um, at times it was hard to distinguish the political situation from the culture and social uh, and social settings that developed as a result of the political situation during the period. What became known as Hellenization dominated the world from the Greek period throughout Jesus Roman Jesus time. So you will hear in scripture, you'll hear the Hellenized Jews or Hellenization. Um, what, what that means is this is Jews that, that uh, really converted over to the Greek customs. They were, they kind of laid aside their Jewish customs and picked up a lot of Greek habits. Okay. They decided to live like the Greeks. Okay. So that's when you see that in scripture because you'll see it, the word Hellenized, you know exactly w- what that means, okay? Um, let's see here. All right, cool. We're on, we're on track. Any questions? Because I'm, I'm going to be flying through it. So anytime, just, just stop me if you have questions, okay? Um, do I want to go here? I want to... Yep, I do want to go here. Okay, so by the time Jesus' story, after the Roman conquered the Greeks, uh, not only the Greek culture, but the Roman politics had created new challenges for the Jews. In fact, by the early first century AD, the tension between the Jews and Romans were very high. This situation continues to intensify as Jesus reaches adulthood. Okay, let's jump to the book. Uh, as we know that uh, Matthew was it Matthew and Luke covers Jesus' um, a childhood, but it's very skimpish. It's, it's very limited, and so we're gonna look at real real quick what was going on during Jesus' time. Okay, so um, go to page I think it's page fifty three. Let me see here make sure I say the right page. Yes. Page 53, the beginning of chapter two. Okay. The story of Jesus. Okay. Um, okay. We cover the first paragraph here about seek peace in the city where I have sent you to exile. Um, we read that in the beginning. Um, let's hop to the second paragraph. It says during the decade between 26 and 36, when Pilate served as the Roman procurator in Jerusalem, Pharisees clashed with the Romans on a regular basis. Okay, so we have to understand one thing about the Romans, the Romans loved peace. Okay, they don't like all this drama. They weren't into all that they were basically into uh, Even though we see a lot of like wars and things like that. But no, they were actually people who just wanted to live in peace. They loved to indulge self indulge and all this stuff. That's where you get. It. That's why we have a lot of the, the Olympic Games and, and different types of things that they were going on because they they like to live in peace. So when Pilate comes on the scene, um, so Pilate is considered a governor, and Caesar is like the president okay so when uh, Pilate comes on the scene he could not keep the the Jews at peace so here are some things that were going on here so bullet point number one it says Pilate moves the Roman army from Caesarea to Jerusalem for the winter and brings along images of Caesar he knows it will upset the Jews uh, so he moves them into the city at night so when the Jews learn about it they plead with Pilate to remove the images but he refuses and threatens to kill them all the Jews threw themselves on the ground, laid their necks bare, and said that they will take their death very willingly rather than the wisdom of their laws should be transgressed. Should be cr- transgressed. Pilate is so impressed that he tells the troops to move the standards back to Caesarea. Okay, now this scene here reminds the Jews what just happened back in uh, 168 um, BC, the desecration of their temple. So imagine they see this happening again, to their temple, they're, they, they are running to the temple, throwing their lives on the line for the temple. Why? Because the temple is where, uh, the presence of God is. This is where they meet God. And so they throw their lives down to protect the temple. Okay. So this was a big uproar with the, with the Jews. Okay. Let's go to bullet point number two, to raise money, to um, to pipe water in Jerusalem, Pilate takes money from the temple. Tens of thousands of Jews mob together and call for Pilate to return the money to the temple, and some of the Jews insult the Roman governor. When the Jews refuse to leave at Pilate's request, Pilate sends troops and massacres them. Okay, so this stuff, these bullet points are going on the same time Jesus is about to enter into ministry. So 26 AD, Jesus comes on the scene about 27 um, AD uh, for his uh, start of his ministry, okay? We know that Jesus was in ministry for just for three years. So this is kind of the beginning of, uh, of, of Jesus' ministry, Okay. So you got to understand what was going on behind the scenes. The second one is Pilate massacres uh, Galileans in the temple so that the blood sacrifices mingle with the blood of animals. Okay. Another one is Pilate placed Roman shields in his palace at Jerusalem and the Jews become annoyed. So, and then the last one is in Samaria, a prophet calls all the people together to Mount Gerizim. Many Jews come with weapons, and Pilate stops them with a great band of horsemen and footmen. He kills some, others get away, but captures many. Later, he slaughtered all the prisoners." So here in Samaria, it says, a prophet calls all the people to gather. This was an example of uh, a false messiah right here. Now, when we talked about before that there were a lot of people popping up during this time, talking about that they were the messiah why why all of a sudden um people are popping up saying that they were the messiah because the 490 years was coming to an end what daniel prophesied that a that a messiah was coming to save them that a messiah was going to come and restore the kingdom back to the jews so all of a sudden all these false messiahs started to come up and so here in the example here Um, In Samaria, a prophet, he calls all the people together. He's doing all these signs and miracles and things like that, and he was killed, okay? So all of this stuff is going on behind the scenes before Jesus starts his ministry. So now you get an idea of what Jesus had to deal with during the time of starting uh, his ministry. False messiahs coming up, A lot of tension between the the Romans and the Jews. Um, A lot of Jewish different groups popping up, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and things like that, popping up on the scene. And so Jesus, he had to combat a lot of that stuff. Now, let's read the next paragraph, because this right here, this right here, this paragraph here is so important, okay? So rebels rise up in Galilee and Judea on a regular basis these are often called robbers in our bible translation but that gives the wrong impression
1: where do we hear the word robbers or thieves when dealing with Jesus the thief that was up on the cross um
3: beside Jesus
0: yes and we have come to understand that they were like thieves like they were stealing things and and things like that but read this next sentence here they are not simply robbers stealing money they were revolutionaries trying to make life very difficult for the Roman government so that the Romans would leave the holy land they were like Robin Hoods or Jesse James folk heroes to many Jews the thieves on the cross were not robbers as, as a sense of um, taking money and things like that. They were actually heroes to the Jews. They were, they were the one, they were like zealots. Remember we talked about zealots. Zealots always had a piece on them. They always had some type of knife on there. They were the ones that were come, that will mix in the crowd. And if they see a Roman or uh a Roman treating the the Jews wrong, they would shank them real fast and leave. So they were considered heroes. So we've been taught all of our church experience that the thieves on the cross were like were like uh, th- th- the uh, robbers that stole stuff they were actually heroes. So that's why when when um, with dealing with who was it with Pilate um, when they was like um, it's between Jesus and Barabbas and they were like give us Barabbas. Barabbas was a hero to the people and so of course they're gonna save the hero and kill the gent- I mean kill the um, Galilean. <laughs> and we, we didn't know that, so that's what it means. Uh, thiever or robber, they they will they will rob your life. They will they will take your life all of a sudden, and then they will mix in the crowd, and they will they will know who they are unless they got caught. And these these got caught, so that's that's something to really think about. So that's why they were they were like, yeah, let's give us Barabbas because he's considered a hero, and Jesus is not. Okay. All right, I wanted to to bring that part out too, all right. Let's, any questions about that or comments? I know when I read that,
1: I was blown away. Uh, Okay, let's, okay, yep, let's stay in the book
0: here. Um, On page 55, it says that there's a storm on a horizon. And almost all the Jews are expecting something to happen, something very big. They know that the Lord promised to destroy all Israel enemies and make, the, make Israel the chief of the mountains and to raise up a new David and to make war and to sit on the throne. David even gives them a calendar. Okay, that's what we talked about, the, the big chart. Uh, so he gives them a calendar. He says that the Messiah will come finish everything up within 70 weeks or 490 years. That time has passed, but the Jews are sure that the Lord has not forgotten his um, promise. He is going to come up to help Israel as um, he did when she was in Egypt, when she was oppressed by the Philistines, when Assyria threatened Jerusalem in the days of Hezekiah, okay? Israel's best days are still ahead of her, this hope is what made the Jews of the first century do what they do, okay? Next paragraph here. So here, here in these next, I think two to three paragraphs, we see the viewpoint of the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the Essenes and how they felt during that time. So the Sadducees, they didn't they ain't have no problems with the Romans. They loved the Romans because they worked for the Romans. They worked in the temple, they were getting paid. So they ain't really see no issue uh, with the Romans, okay? Uh, so the, the next paragraph, the Pharisees, the Pharisees are a people of hope. The Pharisees are strict about keeping the law and are strict about uh, avoiding um, compromise with the uh, with the Romans and other believers. To that extent, they follow Jeremiah's instructions, but they also believe that the Romans are unclean and pollute the Holy Land. They wanted the Romans to go and and uh, they are more than willing to use whatever it means uh, they can find to get rid of the Romans. Okay, uh, the next paragraph it says at the same time the Pharisees do not think the Romans are the main uh, are the main problem. They believe the problem is the Jews are unfaithful. The Romans have power because Yahweh is punishing the Jews for their unfaithfulness. The Pharisees believe that the way to save Israel is to make sure that Israel uh, make sure Israel is very very pure. They want to follow the Jew. They wanted to, uh, every Jew to follow the same strict holiness code that the priests followed. Once Israel is very, very clean, then the Messiah will come to deliver the faithful Jews to the Romans. Okay. So that is the belief system of the Pharisees. Okay. This is why they were strict in, in a lot of their customs and strict when it comes to the law. But when Jesus uh, confronted the Pharisees, they were misinterpreting the law. Okay, they were um, they uh, were focusing on the minor things of the law and twisting it uh, to fit their their lifestyle rather than obeying the law as it is. And so Jesus had to come and show them how to fulfill the law and that he was the fulfillment of the law. Okay, um, and then the next paragraph talks about the Essenes. Now, you don't really see the Essenes, but they are implied in the Bible. Um, it says, even the Essenes are people of hope. Um, Jesus had a few Essenes um, in, uh, in his group. The disciples, there were two Essenes in his group. I think it was Andrew Andrew and James and John were, were considered um, Essenes, okay? So even the Essenes are people of hope. They move out of the land of Israel sometime after the Maccabees replaced the um, Zadokite uh, priests. They do not believe the priests are legitimate, so they refuse to participate in temple worship. But they do not leave the land to, to live near the Dead Sea because they've given up hope. They believe They, they leave the land because they are unsure that the land... Because they are sure that the land is corrupt by the Romans. The temple is corrupted by false sacrifices, and the priests are polluted. But, but they do not expect to stay in the wilderness forever. Someday they believe Yahweh will come to destroy all the false Jews, scatter the Romans, and lead, lead the true Israel, okay? So these this is the group of people that were in the wilderness, Okay, this is when Jesus who, uh, we read in scripture will escape to go to the wilderness. Many scholars believe that uh, when Jesus was escaping to go to the wilderness, that he was hanging out with the Essenes. Okay, this is where john the Baptist was at too. remember john the Baptist was in line to be a priest because his father Zechariah was a priest. And so uh, and so John was supposed to be a priest, but he did not agree with with uh, what was going on in the temple. He did not agree about what was going on in the uh, the Jewish religion. So therefore he went away to the wilderness and dwelt among the Essenes, okay? So that what was going on, uh, let's see here. Um, and so the different, the various groups um, that, that were uh, that developed during this time, Jesus actually pulled from a lot of these groups um, to be his, his disciple. And we have to understand, we have to really uh, shape our mindset that Jesus did not have just 12 disciples. Okay. He had, at uh, one point, he had 70. One point, he had 120. One point, there were like thousands of people who followed Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, and so he was he was very um he wasn 't that uh influential to the jewish population uh as far as as far as popularity but he did pull a few from each group. Okay. Um, So you will see in the scriptures uh, where the green, where the green is that it says the diaspora, you'll see it like the dispersed Jews, the diasporan Jews, you'll see that in scripture, especially in Acts when, when, um, when they're dispersed, that means that they live far away from the promised land, okay? That's all it means diaspora, they would disperse away from the promised land, okay? Um, and so here is a chart of kind of just a, uh, some groups that exist out there in the Jewish sects. We talked about the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the Essenes, the Herodians, the Zealots, the priests, the Judeans, the Galileans, the one of those who are dispersed and some of the Samaritans as well, okay? All right, any questions so far before I hop to the next point? let's see here and so uh, so we have to understand that Jesus he draws from all, all of these different groups, so Jesus he had to understand where they were coming from, and we as uh, Bible students, we have to understand as well where they were coming from. So again, I encourage you to do the reading of the book because then you will understand what Jesus had to come up uh, come against, okay um, Let's go. Let me see. What was this one? Oh, that's John the Baptist. Okay, so let's go to back to the book. Let's go. Where am I at on time? 10:30. Okay, I'm doing good on time. Um, I'm gonna do this last point here and then I'm going to to end it with John, John the Baptist. So if you've been following the Bible study, we have been talking about. Uh, John the Baptist. We are on a series called The Forerunner. And so, uh, Pastor, he, he gave us uh, some background when it comes to John the Baptist's um, life. We understand his father, Zechariah, he was a priest, and um, his, his, his mother uh, was carrying, Elizabeth was carrying uh, John the Baptist. Uh, and so, um, on page 57, under prepare ye the way, I'm going to start reading. Uh, Let's see here. Um, It says that they are going to have a son, but Gabriel's announcement is bigger. He is the angel who delivers the vision uh, to Daniel. And now he is coming to tell Zechariah that the Lord is ready to fulfill those visions. Okay, now you see, kind of the bridging, okay? Zechariah's son is not just any son. He will be a great prophet filled with the power of Elijah. Elijah lived in the time of the tyrant of Ahab and John will live in the time of the tyrant of Herod. So someone tell me, tell me, who was Ahab? Everybody should know Ahab. He was um, Jezebel's husband. Yes, old Jeze's husband. <laughs> and uh yeah, uh a lot of people that were killed under him. Uh Ahab, I thought he was a very weak king. Um, his wife uh did all the ruling for real behind the scenes. She made things happen. Oh Jesse. And so uh yeah, and so uh, Elijah, he lived under the uh the tyrant of Ahab and John will live under the tyrant ter- uh, of Herod. Okay, he will do Elijah's work turning the people back to God. He will prepare a people so that when the Lord comes, he will find the people prepared for his coming. John's ministry is a preparation for the ministry of Jesus. Jesus is the coming king, the new David. John is not the new David, but merely a servant of the king. When the ancient king goes to visit a distant district of his kingdom, he sends one of his servants ahead to get things ready, okay? So the the servant makes sure that the city is clean. The people is ready to receive the king. That is John's ministry. He prepares the way for the Lord. He is like the new Samuel preparing the new David. John's ministry takes place in the wilderness where the Essenes are. He is in the wilderness for the same reasons. He went to the wilderness because they are preparing for a new conquest. And so is John. He starts baptizing them in the wilderness because he is getting the people ready for the new Joshua to come to lead um, in the conquest. And so... John, he was very influential to all of these groups that are represented here in this pie chart. They respected John. So when they heard that this John was in the wilderness, preparing the way for for the Messiah, a lot of these people from these groups came out to the wilderness to be baptized by John and so they can prepare themselves for the coming messiah. That was the way for them to to purify themselves to be uh, baptized, okay. So that's where John the Baptist, his name, the Baptist, came in. That's what he's known for, because it was a hurl of people that came to the wilderness to be baptized by John the Baptist to be ready to get ready for the coming Messiah. Okay, and so uh, because of his influence, uh, Pilate Pilate did not like John the Baptist. Okay, and so. Um, We know that he was beheaded by the request of of his, uh, what was it, of his daughter, of his, yeah, I think it was of his daughter, Um, no, it was of his wife, Uh, it was a request of that, and so, um, when you read uh, the works of Josephus, okay, now, I I think I remember mentioning, sorry, go ahead. I said that was Herod, wasn't it? Herod, sorry, Herod. He was not popular with Herod. Thank you, thank you. He was not popular, popular with Herod, um, and um, and so uh, when when what was I about to say? Uh, oh, when. Um, when Herod um, heard about this John the Baptist, thank you, because I, I just got to talk about Pilate. Um, when Herod was talking about, was um, hearing about this John the Baptist being influential um, amongst the Jew, Jewish people, um, in the, okay, yeah, in the works of Josephus, he talks about, um, about the influence that John the Baptist had um, and the problem that uh, Herod had with John the Baptist. So this is a, um, an excerpt from the works of Josephus. Now you can find the works of Josephus online for free. Okay. So it's the works of Josephus gives you a lot of historical background. Now his, uh, Josephus was not a believer, but he did write about Jesus Christ. He did write about a lot of the key characters um, in the Bible that, that were going on, you know, during his time or whatnot. So it says here, now when many others in the crowd... Uh, came in the crowds about him for they were very greatly moved or pleased by hearing his words Herod who feared least the, uh, the great influ- influence John had over the people might put it into his power and inclination to raise a rebellion for they seemed ready to do anything he should advise thought it best by putting him to death to prevent any mischief he, he might cause and not bring himself into difficulties by sparing a man who might make him repent of it when he uh, when it would be too late, um, accordingly, he was sent a a, pres- a prisoner out of Hera's suspicious temper to Machiris, the castle I before mentioned. And was there uh, put to death? Now the Jews had an opinion that the destruction of his army was sent as a punishment upon Herod and the mark of God um, God's displeasure to him. So here Herod thought that John the Baptist was a threat because of his great influence amongst the Jewish people. He thought that uh, John the Baptist was going to hold this huge rebellion and push him out. Okay. Um, and so, uh, and so there were, uh, some tensions, Herod, he had some tensions between the king of Assyria and the king of Assyria attacked, um, uh, Herod and they believe that because of, uh, what happened with Herod, that was because he, um, he beheaded John the Baptist. And so that was, this is a, a background story of, of all of, of that whole issue that went on there. Okay. Um, let's see here. There was one more paragraph I think I wanted to read in the book on page 58. It says, John's message is a message of judgment. Wrath is coming, he says, and if Israel is going to escape or survive that wrath, then they needed to repent of their sins and turn to the Lord with their whole heart. Keeping the purity laws of the Pharisees is not repentance enough. They needed to repent even for the sins of the Pharisees. Otherwise, we'll be destroyed with the clash of, uh, of the Rome. The ax is already laid to the root of the tree, John said. He is uh, alluding to the prophecy of Isaiah, which described Assyria as the Lord's axe against the northern kingdom of Israel. Uh, Rome is the new axe in the hand of the Lord, and he's getting ready to swing. The judgment that John talked um, about is the threat of Romans, finally destroying the rebellious Jews, okay? John is gathering the people together who will be saved from that judgment, who will pass through the fire uh, of the Roman war against Judea and preserve them as a uh, remnant. Uh, the burned but uh, lively seed of the new Abraham. So multitudes came to John asking for baptism. They wanted to be part of this Israel. They want to be among the people ready to welcome the king who will fulfill all their hopes Uh, when Jesus arrives, he finds a people prepared for him, a people prepared by John. Okay. So John, he knew his purpose was to prepare the people for this coming Messiah. And um, at the same time, um, Jesus is starting his ministry. um, Let me see, is that Messiah I want to go to? Oh, okay. I'm supposed to read that. But at the same time that John is starting, uh, Jesus is doing his ministry, John is handing the baton to Jesus. Okay? Um, I'm supposed to read this scripture before, but um, it says, despite the Jews' divided and misguided exceptions, ideologies, and re- religious beliefs, God remained faithful to them and to his own name. As the Apostle Paul wrote to the Galatians, but when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he may redeem those who were under the law. So God's plan of redemption is manifested right up to the time of Jesus as seen through the life and ministry of John the Baptist, okay? So now we see kind of the connecting bridge. All of this history is connecting together, setting the scene for Jesus' ministry, okay? So I think I'm gonna stop it right here and then I'll kind of pick up the rest next week. But are there any questions? I know I went over a lot, but all that is in your book. Um, Any
1: questions or any comments? We're good.
0: (laughs) You're breaking up, you're sunny. Good to have you.
1: Sorry. Oh no! You're breaking up. Wait.
5: Uh-oh. Sorry, I'm coming through a bad area. Can okay. you hear me? Yeah, I hey, can hear you. Me? Um. So, uh, I, I, it reminded me when you were talking about um the the robbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I never really thought about them, but I was wondered, why um I always wonder why Pontius Pilate had just succumbed to the people um and it and it really made me like research why why he did that uh, and I had I didn't know that he had like, he was already on thin ice with like mm-hmm. the higher ups right so it already had like, two uprisings so even though his wife was like don't you have anything to do with that man he was like if i don't let you know if i don't do what they tell me to do and go ahead and let him be crucified they gonna kill me because you know they didn't remove you back then they killed you right so, uh it, it gave me a little more empathy for him because when you read the scripture just reading it you just think like he knows that this man has not done anything why is he doing this and it really made me observe things in my own life like when has it been times when i knew something was right and I still didn't do it for whatever reason mm. um and so and I always love to hear like you learn so much the fullness of scripture really comes out when you learn what was going on historically prior to and you know in that time uh which is why I love you know coming to Sabbath school cuz I just get to hear more and more about it but yeah I, I just you know when you're talking to drivers it just made me think of him and you know, the other things that were going on that made him make the decision that he made, which was all a part of God's plan anyway. Right. Uh, but, you know, it always makes me think
0: about that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sonny brought out a good point I forgot to, to bring out. Yeah, he, he was on thin ice with Caesar. And like I said before, like Rome were the people of peace and they were like, look, if there's any more commotion that's going on down there, you we're going to kill you, basically. And so all of this stuff that, that uh, was going on with Jesus, that's why Pilate, he washed his hands of it. He was like, I'm not about to deal with it because he was on thin ice with Caesar. Yep, so that is definitely something to, to think about as well. That's why they kept throwing, like when you really read uh, about the trials of Jesus, he kept going from one court to another and they didn't know what to do with him. It was like, God forbid if, if this goes back to Caesar, we out so that that kind of gives you an understanding too of the whole situation of what what was going on so yes 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 yep that was a
1: good point anybody else all righty
0: so i definitely encourage you all to keep reading this book it's a really good book it gives you a lot of good history And uh, it's going to really shape the way you look at scriptures, because you have an understanding of the historical situation that is going on, okay? So next week, we're definitely going to hop into the life of Jesus, and then we're going to um, talk about uh, why uh, there are only four Gospels in the book, okay? There were a bunch of Gospels out there, but why did... um, the faith community or those who put together our Protestant canon, why do we only have four when there's so many that exist out there? Okay. So we're going to talk about that as well. And, um, you all see the, oh, I put it back the cover on your book with the, the man and the, the animal and some other that represents the four gospels. Okay. So we're going to talk about that as well, where that, where those pictures come from. Okay. All right. So, any other questions? We're good. All right. Cool beans. I will pray out. Um, the The documents are in your in the in the Dropbox, and they'll be on the website um, sometime this evening as well. Okay. So, Father God, we thank you for this day. Thank you god uh, for allowing us to learn more about your word thank you god for the diligence of the students um, them reading reading the word and we thank you for the illumination that you are connecting the dots you uh, putting the pieces of the puzzle together for us, in order for us to understand uh, what was going on Jesus and during Jesus' time, and we thank you, O God, for what you're doing and what you're going to do within us, Father. Thank you, O God. Uh, I thank you, God, for the the various callings and the various giftings um, that are represented here today, O God. And I pray, O God, that as we continue to grow in your word, God, that it will begin to form and to shape us, God, to that disciple that you are calling all of us to be, all of the believers to be. Uh, so I pray, oh God, that we will continue to remain diligent in your word. Uh, I pray, oh God, that we will continue to hear from you and allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate this word, Father. So I pray that they won't get weary in their well-doing. I pray, oh God, that they will continue to truck through these books, oh God, and allow your your um, the the Holy Spirit, allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate uh, the word to us, Father. So, God, we bless you and we honor you and we give you all the praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Alrighty, Saints, you guys have a good one and I'll see you all next week (laughs) for my last class. Praise our God.
5: Elder professor, when is, the, when is the, um, the one start that you had posted about? Um, that will probably start
0: I'm um, thinking probably September. Okay. Yeah, it's going to be September, so yeah, I'll make sure to release some more info about that. Okay. All righty.
5: Next month. Huh? What are we doing next month?
0: Uh, August is a break, remember? Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a break, <laughs> and then we pick it back up in September.
1: Yep. Yep, yep, yep. All right. See you all later.